It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. It is the championship edition. We have made it. Corey Smith from RotoWire again helping us break it all down and Man, what a wild season it's been with everything going on, and here we are in the uh, championship round. Time to rise and shine, baby, and it was an insane week 15 that, in terms of upsets. I mean, we saw two intense upsets, a lot of crazy stuff in fantasy. Here we go. Week 16, baby. Uh, and always, we were just talking before, there, week 16, you can break it down sometimes to just some crazy plays happening, and people will remember them forever. Of course, Brian Westbrook comes to mind. We kneeling down at the one for one year. Uh, and just other wild plays that have happened throughout the history that have affected a week 16 wins. I know Todd Gurley helped win a lot of championships about three years ago. And uh, people were helping donate to his GoFundMes to help out charities and all that stuff. So, I mean, wild things happen in this week. Yeah, I mean, a close score in the championship. God, you want it if you win. But just you'd almost rather lose by like 20 or 30 if yes. you lose. So we'll see. We'll see what this year's uh, crazy play is that kills people and uh, gets everyone pissed. We'll, you know, <laughs> who's it going to be? It, it, there's going to be one. It's guaranteed. Especially how this season has played out, there will be something on the line that uh, someone is going to determine a game somewhere that you didn't think was going to happen. No question about it. And one of the big stories from this past week, we had the Monday Nighter with the Steelers. Beer missed to not mention off the top. Hall of Famer Kevin Green. Yep. Went from undrafted, well, let's say this, drafted, but a walk-on in college, the third all-time in the NFL in sacks, just to be prototypical Steeler, a little before my time and my watching days, but mm-hmm. just what I understand, man. Bill Cowher said it best. Evan just got better on defense with this guy. God bless him. And he, when you watch his Hall of Fame speech, his dad looks like he, his dad looks young. So yeah. it's just like Kevin Green gone way too soon and all the best to his family and everyone in his life. Yeah, and uh, it, it hit uh, you know locally here in Green Bay too because he was linebacker's coach when they won the Super Bowl against the Steelers. And he had a famous speech with Clay Matthews when uh, they found out Charles Woodson wasn't able to return for the second half of the game, and he said, it is your time. It is time. That speech people play over and over again. And then Clay Matthews came up with a big play in that Super Bowl, forced a fumble, and then the Packers went on and won it. He, I mean, he was a big, integral part of the learning process for Clay Matthews as a, as a up-and-coming linebacker. I mean, that was his first couple of years in the league, and Kevin Green was the position coach there. So, I mean, Big time there. And I'm a wrestling fan, too. I liked him in the ring, too. He would mix it up a little bit uh, back in the WCW days. So, I mean, yeah, when I saw that come across, uh, my jaw just hit the floor, and I'm just like, oh, man, that's just way too too soon. Way too soon, man. So Kevin Green, legend, RIP, baby. Yep, yep, we'll remember him. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard for that one. Now, we move on to, uh, well, <laughs> we didn't know if it was going to happen or not. They have been playing, I guess, a little bit better, but the New York Jets, they won. Congratulations. And now uh, you might not have the number one overall draft pick. That's just the way the Jets do things. It felt like they were getting closer at this point. I mean, goodbye, Greg Williams, the low first win. That's how it goes. They really should have beat the Raiders. They really should have had them a couple weeks ago. I mean, if you're the Rams, this is just historically (laughs) bad. Uh, 
Sean McVay and company, this is pretty embarrassing. Look, they're an NFL team, but come on. I mean, you're an eight, nine. We were talking about them as maybe a top five team, Paul, last week. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, they're a Super Bowl dark horse, and then this happens. Boy, I jinxed them. First time since 1973 we've seen two 14-point underdogs win the same weekend when we're thinking about Cincinnati as well. If you picked the Rams to win this game, you had to bet $10,000 to win 500. <laughs> terrible odds. Yes. And this upset specifically, the first time since 1995, 17-point underdog won in the regular season for the Rams, man. Their quarterback is just another example. I mean, we can question the late game plate calling, but mm-hmm. they put up 20 points on this team. The amount of money they have invested in golf here, oh, man, the outlook last week and really coming into this game felt pretty pretty good, but they're just a hit-or-miss team. Where do we stand after this, Paul? Do we have to take them out of the Super Bowl bubble? Yeah, I think after this, I don't want to overreact because team Teams have bad games and things just happen, but yeah, I think we got to examine them a little bit more because we were so high on them, how they beat the heck out of the Patriots and they had that running game going and we were like, oh, maybe this is a new thing. And then, you know, you want to run the ball in the playoffs and control clock and then have your defense take over. And we, we pointed out they have some, you know, elite players on the defensive line with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, of course, in the secondary, but when something like this happens, someone found the little chink in the armor, and uh, if the Jets can find it, I'm sure some of these other coaching staffs that are a little better put together are going to find it too come down the road. No question. And we know on the ground game going forward, just found out, uh, past couple of days, Cam Akers, high ankle, he's ruled out for week 16. So if you're in a pinch, Daryl Henderson has had some moments this year, certainly up and down, could be an option. The play calling in this game did not help the Rams, I mean, especially in the clutch. Those two plays in the last drive where the Rams are in third and short, fourth and short situations, they're throwing the ball deep down the field. I mean, it worked for the Raiders, but they were in a situation where they had five seconds left in the 40-yard line. They had plenty of time. I don't know why the Rams were throwing the ball 15, 20 yards past the sticks. When just pick up five yards. The yeah. offense is built off that. So some weird play calling late in the game and a pretty devastating loss. And one of the highlight or the highlighted matches of uh, matchups of the week, it was the uh, Chiefs and the Saints. And well, the Chiefs they go on the road and they uh, pick up a win against New Orleans. They keep rolling. Mahomes nine and zero in his career against top five scoring defenses. Doesn't matter. You talked about matchup proof. Great example. Late games. Close score doesn't matter. The Chiefs know how to put games away again. You know, Saints got it close. Late touchdown, like two minutes left with some guy you never heard of off the practice squad, or I'd never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Chiefs, again, they close game, they're not afraid. They just go right down the field, get a couple first downs, and kill the game. Production was spread out, but big injury from this one, Paul, of course. Clyde edwards helaire looks like a high ankle sprain, also dealing with a strained hip. He's doubtful for week 16. So that brings in... Mr. Bell, yep. the old reliable, he's coming back into the mix and had a pretty good week 15 against the Saints. But how much do you think you can trust him, though, going into this next game? I mean, that's my concern is when you have an injury this late in the season and you know this team can just pass the ball wherever they want, how much do you think he'll be involved in the mix? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be crazy about him. Borderline, low-end RB2, I'd say. They're playing the Falcons this week. They're at home. They're certainly going to be able to go through the uh, through the air yeah. against the Falcons. And the Falcons actually pretty good against the, against the ground this year or as a rush defense. Grady Jarrett, of course. Deion Jones is playing well. Their front seven is not terrible. I think he's more of a flex consideration this week. Ten-team leagues, you may not even – you're kind of flirting with him in and out of the lineup, but yeah. I would – 
temper expectations, I wouldn't quite make him an RB2, I don't think. If he's not a late, low-end RB2. And uh, while speaking about the uh, Chiefs' next opponent, the Falcons, boy. <laughs> As a Falcons beat writer, you just got, uh, you've had your fill this year. I'm just sick of it. I, I can't even watch. Like, when is it going to stop? You know, it's, it's enough. You're up 17 nothing and a half. Yeah. And, of course, it has to be Brady. I mean, that just makes it even more rich and even more <laughs> painful conjuring up memories from the Super Bowl. Up 17 nothing and a half, outscored 31-10 in the third and fourth quarters. It's been dark in recent seasons from the Falcons. They've had a couple of seven and nine seasons back-to-back. With this loss, first double-digit loss season for Atlanta since 2007. That was the year after the Mike Vick dogfighting situation came to light. So they were left scrambling. Joey Harrington started 10 games. Bobby Petrino walked out in the team to go coach Arkansas. Ooh, dark time. We're, suey! Yep. We're back at, uh, at those double-digit losses. That's a, a new level for the Falcons low here. Certainly we'll expect some turnover. And we got questions about Brian. You know, he had a pretty good game, but still, they're not winning ball games. Could he be on the move? And Todd Gurley, you'd think he'll certainly be on the move, but Dimitrov signing the GM, Thomas Dimitrov, since fired. He was benched. Yeah. Lock in the passing game. Ito Smith is now going to be the number one back going forward. Not a ton of upside in him, but Gurley on the bench here, you'd think, going forward. And on the uh, the Buccaneers side of things, yeah, they, they won the game, but there was plenty of concern to start that thing off to get down in a hole that big. I mean, maybe against the Falcons you could do that, but against some of these other teams, especially now heading towards the playoff march, you're not going to be able to do that. I don't care if you have Tom Brady on your team or not. I know. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be fine the next two weeks, and I think the hype train is going to be really rolling on them going into the playoffs. Yeah. Just a month ago, when now I keep saying a month ago, now it's getting more close <laughs> to two months ago. Everyone was talking about them as maybe the Super Bowl favorite besides the Chiefs. You know, they they went to that slump. Now they're going to face the Lions, Falcons. They're going to roll right in at probably 11 wins. But the early game issues we keep hearing about, Arians, is it a coaching kind of game script thing off the bat? It seems they're doing better in games when pressure mounts. Brady just starts to improvise more seemingly. As in this game, they just got hot in the second half. We finally saw A.B. get a touchdown, get involved. So what's the temperature on them, Paul? I Tier two in the NFC, like you can't put them in the Packers tier or maybe even the Seahawks. Do you think they can win a, a bowl this year? I don't think they can this year. I, I mean, the defense is decent. I think there's still some questions on the offense and what they need to do. And I think one of the things is, you know, again, Bruce Arians sometimes just doesn't trust who he has at running back. Uh, now, this game he did. He Leonard Fournette went wild, but that was the first time I think since week two or three that he had a huge production game. And he's been just sitting there the whole season, not really contributing the whole much. And, you know, without Ronald Jones now, they're going to need more production from Leonard Fournette down the road, I think, to uh, have a success in the playoffs. I would think going on the road. And is he going to be able to do enough in the passing game to, I don't know, keep the sticks moving? Yeah. going to need to. So we'll see. I think, could I see them winning a Super Bowl? Every every single year, there's one team that catches fire. They could do it. They have Tom Brady. But I'm putting them, really, this is like the last team in the NFC I would give a chance. They're, like, I put them and the Saints as, like, the last two teams in those spots. Peripheral chance, but not one of my favorites by any means. And speaking of dogging on Brady, Tony Dungy ranked him uh, number six. I, I just saw that, and then Brady responded to the tweet, and he showed a uh, AFC championship game banner for the uh, the Colts, and uh, that was the year I think the 
the, the uh, Patriots won the Super Bowl. So he was really uh, thumbing at that uh, Dungy there for that uh, ranking. Yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. He's like uh, <laughs> LeBron James to like the Raptors when he was in the Eastern Conference. It's like, I'm still your problem, Tony. Yes. So in that game, I mean, the tweet that you're referencing with the AFC finalist banner. Yes. New England won that puppy. 45 to 7. So, yeah. I, I think Brady should have been a couple of spots higher on that list, personally. Just a little bit. But I guess in context, it was what the question was asked to Dungy was who were the top six quarterbacks he had to game plan for? I mean, it was among the lines of that. And that's where he said Brady was six. He didn't say all time, but. I, I guess maybe he left it off to other coaches. Maybe that's why he was down on the list lower. Maybe. That's a good point, yeah. And we love to take things out of context like that and blow them up. It reminds me of, like, Michael Jordan. He would – certain things that weren't even meant to be insults or big insults, he would take them and blow them up in his head just to be motivated from them. That's exactly what I think of with but, Tom Brady. But as we found out this year with Jordan, he really hates Isaiah Thomas. He hates <laughs> Yeah, Isaiah didn't love that document. <laughs> Uh, I think that's like one of the best things that came out of 2020 was just we found out how much Jordan still uh, despises the uh, Pistons to this day. It was incredible. That was definitely one of the best, most in-depth doc. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly highly praised, so I'm not the first to say it. Well, up next, guy that we've been wondering for, waiting on, is he coming back? I question why you even play him at this point. That's Christian McCaffrey. Injury kept him out against the uh, Packers uh, last Saturday night. It sounds like, uh, and I know from looking at some projections, a lot of people think he might have a shot at playing. Uh, I guess what's the update on McCaffrey? Because if you took him overall number one and you're still in this thing, in the championship, obviously it'd be nice to use him, but I, I don't know. I, it doesn't make sense for me if for why they even put him out there. If you're the Panthers, you're sitting at, what, 4-10? and 10. Yeah. Why Why are you going to roll your franchise player out there? If you've gotten the fantasy championship, you still could use him. He's one of the few guys who, you know, he's missed 10 games this year, 11 games. He hasn't played in a, a month and a half, and you're like, yeah, we're, we're starting him, no <laughs> question. And it's yeah. true. You would. You'd, I'd roll him right out there. He'd be a top 5-10 back coming off an injury. Uh, Matt Rule with the thigh saying McCaffrey's not going to be able to play through it. Most likely, he's doubtful for Week 16 right now. It looks like it'll probably be Mike Davis again. He, he's not out yet. If he plays, we're put him in the lineup, but it looks like he's doubtful. It'll be Davis who underwhelmed a little bit last week against the Packers from a box score perspective. And, uh, you know, some other uh, off-the-field news. Dwayne Haskins, uh, well, the old maskless fiasco uh, going on this week. So just more things that Washington has to put up this week with him. Not great. You know, <laughs> there were some questions about how much Ron Rivera wanted to give him the keys early in the season, put him on the bench pretty quickly. Now you see maybe some of the maturity issues uh, coming to light again. Of course, we had that selfie last season. Game's still going on. He's taking selfies with fans in the stands. Uh, certainly didn't like his body language when he got drafted, not to look too much into that. Yeah. But here, you know, with some women uh, not following protocols, look, I'm sure there's a lot of guys around the league, Not maybe not a lot, but a handful of people that are doing things like this, but probably not in a situation where they're the 
starting quarterback for a team that's in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Not to mention their coach is going through cancer. They've got injuries all over the place. Alex Smith dealing with a calf injury. He's day-to-day. Kyle Allen, he's out for the season with that ankle injury. So just another drop in the bucket. Uh, Yeah, lost to the Seahawks last week, but still in first place. So this can really derail a season. It it has for other teams. You look at the Titans, they had their schedule thrown off, thrown to a funk. The Broncos had to play with a practice squad receiver. This late in the season, we know they're not going to want to move the schedule at all. If they move it to a Tuesday, probably not. We'll see if he even has any COVID issues, but not great for his future with the organization, you would think. Other takeaways from Week 15, we talked about a little bit Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. What has happened to the Steelers' offense? Man, if you've got to start some of these guys this week, you're holding your breath that they can get you some points because uh, they've had some terrible outings on a Steelers' offense that you would think would uh, help you uh, get to this point. Yeah, and I think Deontay Johnson might be the only guy you'd – really have lukewarm to good confidence in starting. He's 10 targets in nine different games this season, but he also has more drops than four different NFL teams this season. <laughs> he focused in on that at a pretty good game on Monday night, but you're not afraid of the Steelers anymore. Nobody is. Lose to the third-string quarterback Bengals here. 40 offensive yards in the first half for Pittsburgh. And, of course, great timing. Big Ben saying he wants to play next season. Yep. <laughs> uh Big cap hit. He's going to take up 23% of their cap. They'd have to get him to an extension to get that number down, and he is not playing well. So, uh, 11-0 start. Do we think they're going to beat anybody in the playoffs, Paul? I mean, they seem like a one-and-done for sure. At this point, yeah. And the defense, too, is really uh, taking it. I mean, maybe that's because they've had to play up to their max potential the whole year because the offense, you know, is having spurts like this, and now we've found out, uh, yeah, the defense might have some uh, holes in it uh, that weren't exposed before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we haven't had Devin White for a while, but no Dupree for just about half of the season, and now Spillane, who's a good replacement, is out. Just not offensively clicking. One-dimensional, as we talked about last week. Juju, if you started him, that was brutal. He continues his dance in the logo routine here. Jacks at midfield, fumbles the ball. As a negative fantasy point day, that that stick is not working out on the field. I mean, teams seem to be motivated by that at this point. Uh, So, brutal. Brutal from Pittsburgh. Offensive line is not protecting. Big Ben can't move. Now James Conner looks like he may miss week, uh, week 16. So just it's all coming to roost right now for Pittsburgh. Up next, Arizona and Philadelphia. Arizona, big win to keep them in the playoff hunt and uh, keep control there. And uh, for Philadelphia, the Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts drama, it gets louder and louder this week. Yeah, Wentz is unhappy with being benched or at least wants to be moved if Hurts is the long-term solution at quarterback. It's for Adam Schefter. I mean, that's tough. I mean, come on. I don't want to hear anything about this. (laughs) If you're on the bench, especially in that situation, he's made so much money. He's put on the bench for a reason. Team is fighting for a playoff spot. I, I don't like the timing of this for sure, maybe after the season. But, I mean, he leads the NFL in interceptions, and it just seems a, a little bit crazy to be hearing this right now from him. And uh, I don't know, Paul. It just He's a professional football player. He can do whatever you want. But it just rubbed me a little bit the wrong way when I read that story. Yeah, and I, you know, I thought he was such a team guy because, you know, he handled everything fine. You know, he was hurt when they won the Super Bowl when Nick Foles came in. But you heard that, yeah, he was supportive and all. All this stuff but now here they are you gotta say to yourself if you notice yeah like you said leading the league in interceptions you know you may you're just not seeing things great this year it's just not it's just a bad year 
support the guy that's actually playing lights out right now and Jalen Hurts and giving your team the best shot at winning. I, they, this is hurting Carson's uh, image a little bit, I think. I would agree. Yeah, I would think it would hurt the market value even more than it's already been uh, taking a hit. I mean, surely he still has a lot of upside, but yeah, I'm interested to see what the market is on him. Maybe join Reich out in Indianapolis. He's kind of gone downhill since he left, so yeah. that may be a, a reunion that would make sense. Hurts, mm-hmm. like you said, he's looked he's looked fantastic. I mean, he didn't do a ton as a passer the first game against New Orleans. He got it done. Uh, also had 100 rushing yards in that game, but he just looks electric out there. He does look like he can really play. Really small sample. Cardinals were, were able to get to him a lot in this game. They have 14 sacks the last two weeks, does Arizona, which is a really good sign going into the playoffs for them. But Hurts kept him in this game all the way through. You love to see just what you saw on the field, not being afraid. I mean, big-time football at Alabama and Oklahoma. But in a close-to-a-playoff scenario, a must-win situation, ended up playing the fourth quarter. He stripped, scoops the ball back up, and throws it for a must-have it first down. That was a crazy play. And overall, you just love what you see. The way he moves in and out of the pocket, it's night and day from Wentz, and it just kind of makes you laugh at that notion. It's, it's night and day right now. And on the other sideline, I mean, Kyler Murray, he's been up and down in fantasy for you this year. And, well, when you needed him, get a big game out of him. He uh, did it, 406 in the air and a couple touchdowns. Yeah, the battle of the sooner QBs here. A couple of really sick catches by Hopkins in this game. And how about this playoff performance from him? 18 catches, 305, and a touchdown the last two weeks. Murray, I think at this moment, he's number one in fantasy. doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Based on the way the results have fluctuated, and we've also had some other guys kind of take a drop over the course of the season. Manley Wilson, we'll think of him. But, you know, inconsistent for a guy who's number one in scoring right now. Cardinals right now in that final wild card spot, seventh seed. They'll get their first playoff first in 2015 if they can get a win here in Week 16 over San Fran, combined with a Bears loss to Jacksonville, which seems unlikely, but we've had some upsets that make that maybe more realistic. Green Bay took care of Carolina. For fantasy owners, this wasn't like the game you wanted. I mean, Devontae got another touchdown, uh, but, you know, things like that. But, you know, the yardage that he put up there for, I should say, Rodgers, I should say that streak came to an end. What am I thinking about? I'm thinking about the last game. But Rodgers didn't have the big game, but they did what they needed to win the game against Carolina. Yeah, he was not happy with the performance in the second half. I mean, he was kind of jovial about it with uh, Fox crew, whoever was interviewing him. Yeah. But he certainly seemed a little bit pissed off about the way they came out flat. I think that's pretty natural. I'm not that surprised to see Carolina come back in this game. You can get a you don't like to hear it, but you can certainly get a little bit lax if you're the first seed coming out against a four win team, killing them twenty one to three at halftime. They got they got some spunk to the Panthers. We've seen that all year and they can fight back, but we knew that Green Bay was going to take this thing the whole time. At least it felt that way. So the, the main thing is here, you don't like the fact the number of sacks that Rodgers took in this game, five against the Panthers, kind of conjures up memories of the darkest moment of the last two seasons. They got their ass kicked by Tampa Bay earlier this season, took five sacks, eight combined sacks, taking the two losses to the 49ers last season. Seeing him on his back a lot, that kind of gets you a little bit worried. But are they the favorite in the NFC? I mean, Seattle has so many holes. We've seen them lose to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Certainly, we talked about the Bucks. It's 
to me, I, I think they're who pop who pop out the most, most likely at this stage. Yeah, I think so because the offense can get it going and the defense does enough to win games. Now, again, it's it's not the best defense in the league, and uh, you know the the or I should say the Buccaneers proved that earlier this year. I mean, they put up some big points on there. Even the the Vikings who got a win off their bye week against them uh, at Lambeau prove that, you know, if you can get things going in a run game type of game, that maybe that could help you out. But I think for what they possess on offense and they just have enough to help out on defense, I think right now they, uh, they've they got to be the favorite in the NFC. Yeah, we've seen that you can – I guess the notion is not necessarily as true as it was 10 years ago that defense wins championships. I mean, the Chiefs pass rush came on in the postseason, but yeah. very average defense through a lot of the year, especially against the run last year. So they can certainly get to the Super Bowl with this defense and Aaron Rodgers playing at his peak as he has for much of this season. So I'd give him as much of a shot as anybody in the NFC. I'd, gotta, I'd put him up number one right now. I think what we've seen out of the West, too, they've, they've got to be. And you like another key thing for January here. Aaron Jones bounces back from kind of a quiet week last week. We had Jamal Williams going down with a quad injury early against the Panthers. So Jones kind of giving a little bit more work, perhaps 20 carries for 145 and a touchdown. And next week could be another good matchup. He didn't like what he had. I mean, week 14 in what was an ideal matchup against the Lions, kind of laid an egg, bounced back with the Panthers, but we know he's really matchup proof week to week. And one more note too. I want to mention the tight end, Robert Tanyan, because he was a guy that he's been on the roster, I think, for the last yeah, – he's been here for a while. For, it seems like a while. But he, he was been overpassed. I mean, they've, they've signed Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis. They drafted Jay Sternberger out of Texas A&M a couple of years ago, and they thought, okay, those are the pieces. But Tanya was never, never thought of. But, you know, a guy that has been working out with Greg Kittle in the offseason, he's been, developed this connection with Rodgers – and here he is. He's got 10 touchdown uh, receptions this year. Kind of a surprise. We really don't, you know, going into the season, we didn't even have him in the tight end rankings <laughs> high at all. I mean, this is kind of reminiscent of an Eric Ebron uh, a couple of years ago with the Colts, maybe a big season of touchdowns. Will it continue? I don't know. It, it might, as long as, uh, you know, him and Rodgers keep it going, maybe the next couple of years. So maybe they, we found another breakout tight end in the league. I hope so, man. We could use we could definitely use one more, if not a couple more. Yeah. <laughs> Craziest stat from him, this one from Ian Harditz at Pro Football Focus. Tanyan's been targeted fifty five times this season, ten touchdowns, six incompletions. He's had more touchdowns than incompletions when targeted by Rogers this season, so off the charts. That's not really sustainable, but you keep seeing this throughout the season. I mean it's it's no joke. I think that 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 opportunity is open. We haven't really seen Sternberger take it. Lewis is 100 years old. He's had knee issues all season. Yeah. The, the opportunity is open. I think in, in Dynasty, he's definitely – I'd buy it. I think I would buy it. Up next, the uh, Buffalo Bills. Hey, they've won the AFC East finally. I think it was the first time since – oh, what was it, 90 <laughs> – it's, it's been a while. I forgot the stat. 95. There you go. Thanks for pointing that out to me as they beat your Broncos. I'm sorry about that. Brutal. Terrible. I mean, for the Bills, you love everything you saw here. The MVP bid continues for Josh. Accolades, the records that keep piling up. Coming into this game, already a franchise record with 35 offensive touchdowns. Another huge effort. 359 through the air. Two touchdowns through the air. Two rushing scores. 
I think that may have been the first time this season. Hasn't been as frequent, but another record here. Second quarterback in NFL history is Allen, along Cam Newton, alongside Cam Newton, to throw 30-plus touchdowns and eight or more rushing scores in the same season. So pretty unique stat there, but still elite company. I mean, next week, he's kind of going up against what's been a kryptonite answer to him. Taking on the Patriots, really not a good record against them. Three to six touchdown interception in four games against. He may be the best quarterback in fantasy, though. I mean, debatably. He's up there with Murray and, and company week to week. Twelve and a half points his first matchup against New England. Do you have any Josh Allen shares, Paul? And he, you got to roll him out here? Mm-hmm. I think so, and uh, I think... Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. It'll be a tough matchup against, uh, you know, always with Belichick. But uh, I think you do have to roll them out there because, you know, the obvious with the rushing yards, the touchdowns, and it's been all season for the most part pretty consistent from him. And uh, I, it's that time of year where you got to roll with them. And uh, I, I, I'll throw them out there. But little hesitant, but, yeah, I'll, I'll go with them. Justin Herbert or Allen? You go Allen, uh, right? I... I think I still got to go with Allen. I just, just more. I don't, you know, he's got more the, the legs. Basically, he can get you more of the rushing yards. If if things break down and you could get heck 50, 60 rushing yards out of him the game, you take that six points right there. I'm with you. That's one decision I have in the league. I'll, I'm going to go that way. One guy you're not even considering, and that ultimately Allen, we're going all in. Diggs. He continues to be absurd. Hurt his foot in this game. But according to Kim Jones of NFL Network, not expected to cause any missed time for probably an all-pro this year, certainly the Pro Bowl receiver, Diggs. Week 15 came into this game as one of just 10 guys in the Super Bowl era with over 100 catches, five or more touchdowns by Week 15. Coming out of this game, surpassed D.K. Metcalf and Kelsey for the NFL lead in receiving yards. One of the fantasy stories of 2020 is Stefan Diggs. We know he's a we know he's a hell of a player. He's a mm-hmm. top ten receiver, but the expectations were just so diminished on him, largely probably because of Josh Allen was still up in the air a little bit coming into this year. Diggs has been just a gold mine this season. And if you think about that trade, it, I guess it worked out for both teams because you got Jefferson on the Vikings lighting it up. And now you got Diggs over here that, you know, he was not happy in that locker room, goes over here and they win the AFC East. It works well for both. Justin Jefferson, no question about it. Get a younger receiver and just clearly a stud from day one. I mean, I guess maybe a little bit the first three weeks of the season, we may have been a little nervous. Yeah. Or the first two, I guess. But it worked out for the Vikings. And on Cole the de- yeah, Cole Bleasley. Yeah, talk about him because he's been uh, surprised. People have probably been putting him in the flex spot, and he just continues to produce. Career season for him. I mean, he he's never been this guy. He's never been a top 25 receiver consistently like this. Over 100 again in this game, his fifth 100-yard game of the season. He had just three 100-yard games in 31 games the last two years. So Beasley, again, a guy against the Patriots, two catches for 24 the first time he played them. We're not going to go through this exercise with every single bill here, but he could be it. You can't believe it. Cole Beasley, you're starting him against the Patriots, probably. He's been that good. Certainly uh, the other two guys we are. So yeah, one of the, another not quite as drastic gold mine, but just very consistent high floor guy. Do you want to take your Denver guys to task or? Uh... Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> Drew, the, the dancing, the COVID. It's not great, but we got to we got to take it a little bit easy. We look at exact who is on the other sideline of this game, and where was the temperature in the room on Josh Allen this time last year? Yeah, yeah. 
He started his career eight and seven. Drew Locke, he's eight and eight through his first sixteen starts. Much better touchdown interception lock compared to Allen. But look, I- I'm so ready to pull the trigger and get get rid of this guy. <laughs> if we can get Stafford in here, I'm ready to go, baby. But I think that would be a a perfect fit too. I think Stafford going. To, I mean, I I I don't know how much there is to rumors of that, but I was thinking that this week too. I'm like. If the Lions are really serious to getting rid of him, Denver would be an elite, you know, great situation for him. And look, we can't draft quarterbacks out here, but we can get John to talk in a yeah a real guy. We got Peyton out here. If he can woo Peyton, you can think he could for damn sure get Matthew Stafford to come out here. So I, I noticed you didn't mention Joe Flacco. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we got one out of two to- ain't bad. He's just uh, he's just dead as a doornail. I mean, he brings no energy. But I think the Jets kept him on the sideline, frankly, because they were afraid he may win them a game. Yes. But uh, that happened anyway with Sam Darnold. So for me, my my take on Locke is I do not feel good. I'm probably I'm leaning out. I got one foot out the door. I got you know I'm starting to head out, but it's not over yet, Paul. So hoping we get Stafford. But if it is Locke for next year, it's got to be a make or break season. Clearly. Up next, Chargers and Las Vegas. Vegas, oh, man, I mean, Las Vegas, bad thing. Uh, Derek Carr got hurt uh, kind of early on, I think, in the first drive of the game. And then, uh, well, the highest backup in the uh, NFL, Marcus Mariota, came in, played pretty good. I mean, this game was pretty good back and forth, and Justin Herbert got a big win. Yeah, Justin Herbert, his first road win, believe it or not. And, yeah, Mariota looked pretty good. He did have the one interception there. Notice Michael Irvin after the game. He kind of blamed that on Zay Jones, saying he cut that route a little bit, didn't run a really clean route. But, you know, come on. (laughs) Had a nice tackle, did Mariota, on that interception. But overall, he... He played pretty good. We'll see what we can get out of him. I mean, this loss, though, for the Raiders, and they certainly had their chances. They were right down on the goal line in overtime, and Jacobs couldn't punch it in. I mean, it, it's brutal. For Jacob, Jacobs, by the way, that's fantasy karma. You go and you mess with our you mess with our hearts. You say you're not going to play. That's what you get. No <laughs> touchdown. No game-winning touchdown for you, sir. It's all yes. love, but still. Saying, but with that loss, finally to come back to my point, that brings the Raiders to an under five percent chance to make the playoff. From a six and three first nine games fall, they are just tanking, and it looks like they're pretty much uh, dead in the water here. Yeah, it's just not going good here for them. And uh, I guess Gruden, you know, he's making a lot of money here. Um, I still think he's still get a couple of years especially with what they're paying him and now, you know, they're transitioning over to Las Vegas, didn't have an offseason this year. I wonder where they go with that quarterback position on this offseason because, you know, he just does not like rookies or young quarterbacks at all. And Derek Carr's not really a young quarterback. I mean, he's a veteran by now, but, you know, Gruden always likes his guy and you know, some veteran quarterback. So I wonder who he will try to recruit or who they'll try to go after this offseason. I know. And, I, like, Stafford, for the, for the Broncos, it'd be like, Look who's coming to town. Yeah. Big dog. I mean, compared to Derek Carr, it's not a huge upgrade, if an upgrade at all. I mean, they're kind of the same. They're, to me, they're kind of similar. Yeah. Stafford gets hurt a lot more, but they're kind of in a similar tier. And, you know, this is year three for Gruden. He, he got the defensive coordinator out of there last week. These are all his guys across the roster. Uh, we know Mayock's in there, but yep. Gruden has a big hand in the personnel, certainly. So I'm, I'm with you. He signed that blood pack. He has the 10-year contract. <laughs> 
he's he's in there. He's in there. He's going to be there at least two more seasons, I would think, if not. I mean, he's John freaking Gruden. When when yeah. they signed him, I was so excited. Yes. Frankly, I wanted the Broncos to get him. But, yeah, this is, the season has really gone off the rails for them. All right, we are up to the big part here. Week 16, sit or start. Some tough decisions this week. At quarterback, if you've got an issue at quarterback and you're looking at Jalen Hurts putting him in against the Cowboys, what do you think? I like him this week. He, what can't you like the last two weeks? I mean, the rushing floor has been excellent, 60-plus each of his two starts. Also had a TD on the ground. And a 4-0 to zero touchdown interception. I mean, the completion rate, you don't love it, but ultimately who cares if he's getting the yardage, getting the touchdowns, which he is. Passes the eye test, certainly. Arizona's defense can make you look good as a quarterback, but soaking the Cowboys, 31st-ranked scoring defense. A little bit of a backdoor situation where the 49ers got a Hail Mary at the end, but still, they just gave up 33 points to uh, Nick Mullins and company. You know, Mullins now is the elbow injury, but 31 points, 33 points to the 49ers, so they're back up. I think that hurts the momentum he's carrying, the electricity in the air here. City of Brother We Love. Yep. Watching the QB. They're going down to Dallas. I think that uh, I think Hurts is a good option here. Number one scoring quarterback last week. A guy that maybe helped you get some wins here in the fantasy playoffs if if you had him in because he's been hit or miss, but the last couple weeks pretty solid. Baker Mayfield and, hey, a favorable matchup against the Jets. And he's playing the best ball of his career. Great matchup. Jared Goff wasn't great for him, but Mayfield is on a roll right now. According to ESPN's Jim McCormick, his Week 16 waiver wire column, Mayfield's last four games, this is a weird stat, but produced 0.63 fantasy points per pass. Just stick with me here. 0.63 points per pass. Look at that historically. Peyton Manning's 2013 55 touchdown season, he had just a hundredth more point per pass, 0.64. So basically identical the last four games what Mayfield has been producing compared to that historic season from Manning. Against the Jets, you roll them out again. And maybe the Jets, you'd be worried a little bit about the Browns running away and hiding. They still may, for sure. They're still the Jets. But they're showing some more feistiness. They're playing teams closer. And, you know, beat a pretty legitimate team last week in the Rams. So they can keep it close to keep Mayfield throwing. I think he's a good Week 16 start. Okay, so we talked about the Steelers early on and not trusting a lot of them. And if you got Big Ben at quarterback, are you looking for different options this week? Yeah, this is like layup line. This has got to sit him down, I think. Deeper league, he may be your only option. The fact that he's on this segment, you know, we just got to point him out. He's still a top-12 quarterback season long. First quarter of the season was really good. Multiple touchdowns in four straight games. Just one interception those first four. He was also weeks 1-10, to top-12 guy. Last six weeks or so, quarterback 19. And he's been under 14 points in three out of his last four games. We saw Watson, Deshaun Watson, put up a game last week that was pretty impressive against the Colts. Almost 400 yards passing, a couple of passing touchdowns. But the way Ben is playing, I mean, Deshaun Watson is a different beast, of course. But Ben is just not playing a fishing ball right now. We've talked about the offensive line struggles. No running game to support him. May have no Connor this week. And hitting Claypool downfield lately has been hit or miss. Did not look great on Monday night taking those deep shots. The defense, they have not been giving him the opportunities, how banged up they've been with short fields and whatnot. So against a good Colts defense, it's no way I'm sitting down. Big Ben, he's got to be warm on the bench here in the championship round. At running back position, this guy, he's probably helped you get to this point if you've got him on your roster. David Montgomery, the Bears, and a nice matchup against Jacksonville this week. Unbelievable from him. The sixth highest scoring fantasy back on the entire season. Wow. David Montgomery. That, it's 
crazy what has happened. I almost took him off the show sheet. We had him on the, you know, some show sheets back in August. I was like, this guy's too boring. We don't need to talk about this guy too much. He's been unbelievable. Uh, Man, 24 or more fantasy points in four straight games. Five touchdowns the last three. Been over the century mark three times in the last month. So red hot, 32 carries against the Vikings last Sunday, and just a huge week. So the volume, he's going to keep getting it. There's no threat behind him. We know Cohen's out. They're throwing in Cordell Patterson a couple times a game, but that's it. He's going to get all the work. Jaguars giving up for the bottom three rush defense this year. So giving up plenty of points. Montgomery, he's a great start week 16. All right, up next, running back. You got to – this is a deep uh... – Deep pick here this week with Lynn Bowden. Yeah, this is a guy I had to start in a 16 team league this past week, and he he got me through. That's probably the only scenario you'd use this guy. But what I like about him, flexibility. Deploy him as a running back or wide receiver on ESPN. And he's been a high floor guy the last three weeks. He's been around 10 points. Three straight, he also had like a 14, 15-point game mixed in there. So he's been solid. And the key thing to this is, is Gaskin going to sit? We know Bowden's been good, he's been solid. But Gaskin, if he plays, if he comes back from the COVID list, got to wipe this out the window. Bowden, a really weird case. This is a guy that John Gruden drafted, Mayock drafted, third-round pick. And they trade this guy before the season starts as a rookie. Didn't do anything the first three quarters of the season. Now he's starting to have a role. So like I said, probably only in a 14-16 team league. But if you're dying for a running back, he has flexibility to play both running back and receiver. And finally, uh, this guy, he came on a little bit with the Dolphins. You thought maybe this is the guy you want to roll with. Had some injury issues. But Salvin Ahmed and uh, his matchup against the Raiders this week. What do you think? Yeah, same backfield. And the thing with Bowden playing his old team may get himself some more work. Ahmed is really more of a legit option for 10, 12 team leagues. He's going to be your first pickup of those two Dolphins back. He got all the volume last week against the Patriots 23 carries, 122 and a touchdown all season. It's, only, it's been sparse, few and far between. These have come the opportunities, but three starts, he's averaged. 19 carries per game, 85 rushing yards per game, give or take. And he's back from a shoulder injury, sat out three weeks, didn't seem to have any issues against New England. Crazy record from him, too. Playing the Patriots last week per Tom Pelissero, first Dolphins running back in two years with a 100-yard rushing day. You know, Fitzpatrick led the team in rushing last year. Pretty horrible rushing attack if Fitzpatrick is leading. But, yeah, first 100-yard rusher in two games was, uh, in two seasons, was on med for the Dolphins. Vegas, meanwhile, giving up an NFL worth 17 rushing touchdowns to opposing back. Ahmed, again, dependent on Gaskin status, but I would feel comfortable. Ahmed, 10-12 team league, throw him in that flex spot. Up next, it's time to go against the spread. We did good last week, 2-1, and one, uh, both of us. And unbelievable from you on the season, Paul. You, you go above <laughs> 500 on these picks, you're happy. You're 20-11-1 and 11 and 1 in the season. So it's been a uh, just a killing for you. And here, I go 3-for-3, three three, going to break 500. Yeah. That's what we do, baby. So we'll see how this week goes. All right, we'll start off Buccaneers, uh, seven-point favorite against the Lions this week. Yeah, what what are the Lions playing for at this point? I mean, this is the yeah. lifeless bunch. We saw poor Myers take that stiff arm in the next week by Derrick yeah. Henry. You know, these guys, they're just they're playing out the string. They're not playing teams close, for that matter, either. Uh, slight upset on the road. Detroit beat Chicago in week 13. But otherwise, the Lions have lost four of the last five games. And three of those five losses came by 16 or more points to pretty average teams. I mean, the Titans are good, but they also lost by 16 to the Texans. They're not very good. Lost by 20 to Carolina. They stink. The Buccaneers, they, they're rolling here. I mean, they're starting to pick it up. 
second half comeback against the Falcons, will that carry into this week? I think I think this is a game the Bucks win by 20, even on the road. I'm going to take Tampa to cover the touchdown. I'm not going to take it by 20, but yeah, I think with the playoff implications and on the other sideline, Lions, they don't even know who their coach is next year. So yeah, I'm taking the Buccaneers all day with you on this one. Uh, up next, Colts and Steelers. Man, Steelers, they've been struggling. This is a hard one. They're still a two-and-a-half-point favorite on this? Can't believe it. This line's going to come way down. Yeah. I mean, I think this thing's going to come down to practically even. And if it is even even, I would take the Colts. Maybe pushing even a point or two the other way. But at two-and-a-half-point underdogs right now, easily going to take the Colts on the road at Pittsburgh. Just a better team by far at this moment in time. They can actually run the ball. Phillip Rivers quietly. Really cleaned it up. Two two interception performances the first five weeks. Hasn't thrown two picks in the game since. We know the Steelers, they're, they've clinched the playoff berth. They're in that three seed behind only the Chiefs and the Bills and the AFC. But there's a number of teams you take over them right now. Titans, I'd say. The Browns, the Ravens probably, almost certainly. And I'd maybe the Dolphins, but I would definitely put the Colts in that mix. Last six games to Rivers, 12-2 touchdown interception. And we know Colts defense are missing a bunch of guys dead on offense themselves. Easy pick, Colts, two and a half point dog. Yeah, I think we're going to have to roll with the Colts on that one, too, especially the uh, last couple weeks we've uh, noticed the Steelers just, they just don't have it anymore, it seems like, and just going down. Even though I am a little concerned with Phillip Rivers going outside to play, I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago when he's got to travel on the road, how effective he will be, but I I think they've got enough, though, on that cold side right now, and they're really rolling to uh, get the win in this one. I'm with you 100%. We think about this, too. They're 10-4. and four. Tennessee is 10-4. and four. Few teams need that home field advantage more than the Colts, at least in the first round, if they can get that division title. So these last two weeks will spell out a lot. And finally, the wrap-up against the picks, or against the spread here, it's the Eagles and the Cowboys. We got a big old pick em here. Who wants to win this division? And I mean, this is here we are in two teams that are fighting over uh, trying to finish. Well, can they? Yeah, I guess technically uh, can. No, I think the Eagles can they get to a 500 this year? No, not with that loss, I don't think so. Here we go. Yeah, it's only fitting that every one of the crappy teams would still be alive. <laughs> yeah. Those are very, very narrow chances. I think it's close to 5 10%, something low. Obviously, the Washington football team is number one odds here the last two weeks, and the Giants second or third. But Eagles, just with the momentum that they got going, I I love them in a pick them here. I may take them with a couple, but straight up, and I do think this line will move like the Colts and Steelers line. I like them on the road with Jalen Hurts. You know, a veteran quarterback on the other side, a must-win situation. Can McCarthy and Dalton get this done? There's a little bit of trepidation there, but I just think the hot hand right now is Hurts, and I would go Eagles in the pick them. I'm having a tough time because something tells me go Cowboys. I, I don't know why why in the world I would think that, but they have played a little better, I guess, um, in the last, you know, with what they did at San Francisco. Maybe that's why I'm thinking maybe, but, yeah, I think I got to go with the Eagles side too with you, not to copy all your picks. But I think I got to go there because, yeah, the Hurts factor – and if, you know, he could do that against the teams he went against those defenses, imagine what he can do against this Cowboys defense, which has been awful all season long, and it sounds like Mike Nolan ain't coming back next year. No, I would hope not. Uh, best to him, but it did not It did not work out this year. Um, from the basement meetings, there was not – whatever was on that whiteboard, it didn't work out. And 
So uh, he may be one and done. But, um, yeah, Eagles, Eagles here, pick them. No question. No question. So here we are, the championship weekend. Uh, always a great time of year. And, Corey, again, thanks for helping us out, break things down, get to uh, this point. And it should be some good football this weekend. I mean, it starts on Christmas Day and goes all the way to Monday night. Good to be here with you again, my man. And another good weekend of football, you're right. Thanks. Vikings, Christmas Day special, that'll be fun. And another good Sunday ball. So, everyone, best of luck. And just remember, hey, best <laughs> offense is sometimes a good defense. Your opponent needs a quarterback. Your opponent needs a running back. Keep an eye on that waiver wire. Sometimes you, your best defense is just picking that guy up, keeping your opponent from getting him. And especially in this year with you don't know when somebody's get to hit the COVID list or not, yeah, always prepared to be on that uh, on the waiver wire, especially what we've learned from this season. No question, man. So, stay on your toes. Late scratches, COVID, we don't know what's going to happen. We're seeing Dez literally 10 minutes before the game. So everyone knows the deal. 2020 Fantasy. A good episode, baby. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.